the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, April the 15th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on April 15, 1947, Jackie Robinson, baseball's first black major league player, made his official debut with the Brooklyn Dodgers, opening day at Ebbets Field. Today in 1452, artist and inventor Leonardo da Vinci was born in or near the Tuscan town of Vinci. Today in 1850, the city of San Francisco was incorporated. Today in 1865, President Abraham Lincoln died nine hours after being shot the night before by John Wilkes Booth at Ford's Theater in Washington. I mentioned that yesterday. He was shot yesterday. He passed away today. And today, in 1865, Andrew Johnson became the nation's 17th president. Today, in 1989, students in Beijing launched a series of pro-democracy protests. The demonstrations culminated in a government crackdown at Tiananmen Square. Remember that picture? Um, It was all over the world, really. It was a Chinese kid, a student, looked like a college student age. He was standing in... Tiananmen Square by himself. I mean, there were thousands of people around there, but he was isolated in this picture, and he was standing in front of this big communist tank, military tank, and he was facing off with this tank, and that picture said perhaps more than a thousand words. But I remember that picture well. It said a lot to many of us about freedom, our republic, and communism. In China. Today in 2009, Associated Press said this this morning about today in 2009. I'm quoting Associated Press. Quote, whipped up by conservative commentators and bloggers, tens of thousands of protesters staged tea parties around the country to tap into the collective angst stirred up by a bad economy, government spending, and bailouts. I could talk to you for an hour about how wrong they are and how divisive that is, but I won't. You get it. It wasn't whipped up by conservative commentators and bloggers, and it wasn't angst that was stirred up by a bad economy. It was people getting sick and tired of a government that keeps imposing itself on our God-given rights. That's what that was about. They know that, but they're not reporting that to the public. Today in 2013, two bombs made from pressure cookers exploded at the Boston Marathon at the finish line, killed two women, killed an eight-year-old boy, and injured 260 other people. And today in 2019, fire swept across the top of the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. It was under renovations. The blaze collapsed the cathedral's spire and spread to one of its landmark rectangular towers, but the officials said at the time the church's structure had been saved, and that's under renovation now. I don't know how they're doing on that. I haven't paid that much attention to 
the progress, but I know there's a lot of scaffolding and things and a lot of work going on on Notre Dame. I remember my experience. Of, I walked into Notre Dame one day, the the, the cathedral there, and um, it was an interesting experience. It just comes to mind. I didn't intend to say this, but I remember it well. I walked in, and there was one single person in this great big gigantic cathedral um, sitting about in the middle of it in a pew, bowed down. They were praying. And um, there was a guy standing at the door, just kind of a greeter or, I don't know, a guard. I'm not sure what he was. But anyway, he was standing there. He spoke English. And I said to him, I said, boy, I said, just one person in the church. I said, are there a lot of people who attend Mass here on Sundays? He shook his head and he said, no, not so many. But he said, more than one. He said, maybe a dozen or so. Wow, I never forgot that. Americans still support English as their official language. Rasmussen put out a survey this morning. said more than half the states in America have made English their official language, and nearly three-quarters of Americans believe that they should, that should be the policy nationwide. I don't see that happening under this administration, but it could happen under a different administration. Of course, English should be the first language and the legal language of the United States. We speak English here. People around the world, in fact, particularly in China, I've read where they'll spend a good part, working people, just ordinary middle-class people, will spend half of what they have or more to teach their kids English, to get them in an English school so they can compete in the business world. That is the language of business around the world, whether the left wants to acknowledge it or not. And Obviously, Americans know that. This Rasmussen survey found that 73, they took it yesterday, I think. It was published this morning, about an hour ago. They found that 73% of American adults think English should be the official language of the United States. Only 18% disagree. I don't know why 18% would disagree. I guess it's just their dislike for the country or something. I, I really don't know. Walt Whitman, the poet, was a humanist. He once said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. I would say, from a Christian perspective, that it would be better to keep your eyes, your face focused upon Jesus. When we focus on Jesus and God's word, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Psalm 103 says, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfy thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. I think I'm going to keep looking at Jesus, not the Son, I'm going to look at the sun, S-O-N, and let my youth be renewed. The Bible is so relevant, it's just unbelievable to people who don't believe it. They look, see it as an old historical book filled with a lot of errors. Those of us who have found new faith in Jesus Christ see the Bible as the living word of God, infallible, eternal. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but 
God's Word will never pass away. I'm going with that. And I think many of you are as well. God's Word. President Biden and the religious left are presiding over an ongoing, expanding border crisis. It's getting worse, not better. But they're deceiving the Americans to believe that it's an act of compassion. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning because there's, while the left is moving away from godly values, and they're in power in America now, for sure, while they're moving away from godly Judeo-Christian values and principles, they are more and more and more loudly claiming to speak for God. They are constantly telling us, the president in particular, how devout of a Catholic he is and others. Kabbalah Harris, vice president, is a devout United Methodist, and on and on it goes. They're always talking about this. They weave it into almost every conversation. Nancy Pelosi hypocritically would say when President Trump was in office that she prays for the President Trump and his family every day. I don't know about that. I, only God knows her heart, but her actions did not reflect anything close to that. But nonetheless, she constantly is talking about how our stewardship is of utmost importance to God, our stewardship of the environment, and on and on it goes. So while there is an embrace of religiosity among the left today, and it isn't just the politicians, Jim Wallace and all these guys, they're finding in the Bible, they're finding reason to redefine marriage, reason to say, well, God didn't really mean what he said about homosexuality. It's not really condemned by God. We, you don't understand. God is love. Love wins. Rob Bell and all of this. So there's a move toward a religious posture, but it's at best pharisaical. These people are standing on the corner, as Jesus called out. They're standing on the corner, proclaiming themselves to be religious, while they do none of the things that would really show their commitment to God and to his word and to God's truth, not their truth. So a part of that is that the current administration and progressives in general are misleading the public in America today. They are crying on the street corner, as the Pharisees once did in Jesus' time, that we must be compassionate to these children. Then they'll put up a, a picture of a child, a toddler, whose heart is not touched by a toddler, who's crying, who's at the border, and his parents are nowhere in sight. My heart is, I can tell you, I want to pick up that kid when I see those pictures that the left keep putting out there. I want to pick up that kid and hug him and take him home and feed him and give him a shower and give him a life to the best of my ability. That's what I. That's my response to that. And I think it's probably your response as well. It's tough to tell you, but I must. It, they are using these children as decoys. They don't care about these children because if they did, they would have a policy that would at least address it, even if it's a failed policy. But the left has no policy. Joe Biden has no policy. His whole agenda, and he states it again and again and again, is to undo, reverse the policies of that hated, miserable, despicable Donald Trump. That doesn't take a nation anywhere. Without a vision, people perish. People are perishing because 
Our leadership today in America has no vision other than reversing Donald Trump's policies. Oh, I know that makes people nervous, but it's true. Not only are there actions on our southern border, child abuse, but they're so deceptive to the American people. And now we're finding out that they're enriching some of, you guessed it, Joe Biden's friends. I want to tell you about that today. Illegal aliens are continuing to flood into the United States as a direct result of President Biden. He's misleading the illegals by telling them not to come now with a squeaky little voice while speaking through his bullhorn, his megahorn, and saying, hey, but if you do come, don't you come now. This is not the time. He says that very quietly in a squeaky little voice, but he's shouting over his bullhorn, but if you do, we'll take you in and we'll give you all this free stuff. That's the kind of a world environment that we live in today in America. And they're doing so in the name of the Lord, and that really bothers me. I hope it bothers you as well. He comes back to the American people and he says, Honest, I'm telling them not to come. Yeah, he is. In his squeaky little voice. But he shouted to the world, Come on in, folks. We got all this free stuff for you. And if our facilities are full on the border, we'll move you up to the northern border of the United States. And he's doing that and dropping them off in cities in some cases where the leadership in the city didn't even know a busload of immigrants were coming to their town. They dumped them off on the street. If that doesn't outrage a Christian, I don't know what does. And they say they're doing this in compassion, in the name of the Lord. Now we find out he's enriching his friends who are being given lucrative, no-bid contracts to help manage this fiasco that he's created by having no legitimate plan. He's hiring a, these, this one in particular contractor who has never done this before and has never had contracts with the U.S. government, but they're friends. And don't forget the children are coming across our border as quickly as they can walk across the boundary because there isn't a boundary there anymore. Most toddlers, most of them are not toddlers, but Time Magazine would put a toddler on the cover. They isolated a video the other night of a little kid. He wasn't a toddler, but he was probably six or eight years old, walking along the border out there. He looked like he was. there was no one else around. Maybe there wasn't. He was crying. I wanted to take that kid in my arms. Honest to God, I did, and bring him home and clean him up and help him. And they know that. And they're appealing to the, the, the goodness and the mercy and the love of good and decent human beings like all of us in America. It's wrong. And it needs to be called out. But let's talk about the money just for a moment. The Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families just awarded a no-bid million contract to an organization called Family Endeavors to help with the emergency intake, these are their words, and wraparound care of the migrant children. If you've seen the pictures of those holding pens down there that they tried to tag Donald Trump with, that Barack Obama and Joe Biden actually built those cages, 
when Obama was president. But they've, they're bringing in these contractors now to help with the emergency intake and wraparound care of the migrant children. They're teens, not toddlers. There are a few toddlers, and they've isolated them and put their pictures around the world on the Internet and, else, and on the cover of Time and one thing or another. But that's all to mislead you. They're, they're mostly not. But even if there's one, it's wrong. It's not compassion. It's child abuse. But already... This Family Endeavors organization is starting to get money. And these people, $530 million contract, and they didn't even have to bid for it. They just said, yeah, this is what it'll cost. Boom, 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 here's your check, $530 million. A couple of weeks before that, this was just the other day, a couple of weeks before that, this same group, this Family Endeavors group, got a, another, uh, the first one, a no-bid contract for $87 million. So in just a matter of weeks, they've been given $530 million and $87 million by the Biden administration. And the deal is shady because while Family Endeavors has no contract history with Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, prior to last month, the leadership of the company is a very close friend and has close ties to Joe Biden and the Biden family. Family Endeavors has a former senior official on the Biden transition team in its leadership. He helped Biden transition into the White House after the election, and now he's running or helping run this organization. And they're getting hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're not even bidding for it. They're just being handed a check. The only conclusion you can draw, knowing the backstory, is that the border crisis is working very well financially for Biden's cronies and his friends. Who knows what else is going on, but we know that. The Washington Examiner did a lot of work on this, and they came out with this story yesterday. I wrote an article about this and other things that I'm going to talk about this morning. And in that article, I linked the Washington Examiner story. You should read it if you care about these things and want to be informed. And so just go to our website, Faith and Freedom, Faith, A-N-D, Freedom, dot U-S. Faith, A-N-D, Freedom, all one word, dot U-S. And you'll see that that'll be, if you go there today, that'll be the first thing that comes up there. You can also contribute to this ministry there. You can donate online. There's a little donate tab there. You click that. You can, you're in and you can do it. Even I can do it. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. And I have. Um, Marjorie and I support this ministry monthly. I don't always do it online, but I have. Usually we write a check the old-fashioned way. But anyway, you can contribute there to our ministry. And thank you for doing so. You can also send a check to Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. That, you, the listeners of this program, are the only source that we have, except for God himself, who speaks to your hearts for our budget. So when I say thank you, man, I mean it. Thank you. I wouldn't be here this morning without you. So thank you for standing with us financially. We need your support. Thank you for helping us expand into the Portland market. And those of you listening in Portland, if any of you are yet, we've been on a couple of days, we're going to need your help to stay on in the Portland area. So please join the hundreds and hundreds of people who paid the bill and helped us come on on KPDQ in Portland. Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 
0-800-848-0009. Biden's biggest contribution to the border crisis is to have worked tirelessly to reverse every possible Trump border policy as quickly as possible. That's how he measures his success. Some in our government border administration complex who had been critical of President Trump have now changed their tune. They're coming out and they're saying, boy, this isn't working. And a number of former Trump critics have quit their jobs because the morale is so low on our southern border. By all accounts, President Biden seems to have no policy or solution for the disaster. He's created this disaster on the board. George Soros and his allies, his globalist allies, they're smiling But ordinary Americans are not. We're seeing this surge of thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people coming across the border. Now we're hearing embedded within these mostly younger people are terrorists. They're on terrorist watch lists, but they don't know where they are now. They're just letting them go. And in some cases, they're bussing them around, dropping them off in communities, clear up to our northern border with Canada. I'll tell you. Biden knows he's in over his head. He's created a fiasco, and he knows it. So he handed it off to Vice President Kamala Harris. He said she's highly qualified. Remember that three weeks ago? Highly qualified. If anybody can handle the this matter on the challenge, as they call it, on the border, she can. Well, now she's kind of backing out of that, and she's saying, well, uh, she's basically saying without saying it, Biden's not in control here, folks. I am. She's saying, well... Uh, Mr. Mayorkal is in charge, who is the guy that's supposed to be with the border uh, issues. But he's in charge. I'm just asked to be subjective about this, and I'm just asked to get to the root cause. So while she's still not gone to the border, she is going to Guatemala and Mexico, she said yesterday, or her people said. They will be visiting the border maybe sometime, but... She's going to get after the root cause. Well, that's very subjective. And I mean, all, what that means, bottom line is she's going to write these checks, millions and millions of dollars to the governments of Guatemala, El Salvador, Costa Rica, maybe, I don't know, but certainly Guatemala and El Salvador and Honduras. I've spent so much time in those countries. I know how it works. That money isn't going to help anybody. It goes to the corrupt leadership. I've seen it. I've built churches all over those countries, and I've lived with the people there. They know it. But that's the solution that Vice President Harris will offer the world and the people of America. It'll just be writing a whole bunch of checks to help these people in their poverty, yet another act that will be labeled as biblical. It isn't biblical to do that. Irresponsible undermining, causing further dependence? Not at all. Is all of this really an act of biblical compassion? As Biden and Reverend Jim Wallace and all these guys on the left, they're going around, they may have been in your church at some point. I know they regularly hit First Baptist in Seattle, and they hit all these churches that are far left. They raise millions of dollars, and they advocate for this kind of thing, and it is, it is disastrous. It's hurting our country. It's hurting freedom. It's undermining the very foundations of this nation. And it is damaging to the people that they claim to be helping. But that's the way Satan always works. Deceptively.
So Jim Wallace and his Sojourners organization, they're probably the largest advocates of all of this, but there's many others. The religious last favorite scripture to support their position is usually Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 and 34. And if a stranger sojourn with thee in the land, ye shall not vex him, but the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you. And thou shalt love him as thyself, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Exodus 23.9 again reminds us how a stranger feels. And Exodus 23.9 says, For you lived as strangers in the land of Egypt, which in fact the Hebrew, the Israeli people did. Clearly anyone with Judeo-Christian faith, when they read that passage, want to do the right thing regarding the stranger in our land. As I said, my own emotions reach out to these kids they keep putting on the screen. But those Young little toddlers do not represent the tens of thousands of people they're bringing into America, but they're using them to touch our goodness and compassion. The religious left has built an open borders movement off scripture that is heresy. The religious left argues that a stranger is any foreigner who immigrates, including those who broke the law. Welcome the stranger is their banner for the religious left that's always linked with compassion. Compassion is the key word to defining whether or not you're really a Christian, not whether you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. The Bible clearly defines a stranger as a man of non-Israelite birth, a resident in the promised land with the permission of the Israelite or Israeli authorities. Your Bible dictionary will lead you to that truth. You don't have to be a theologian. So a stranger in Israel was an immigrant who was in the country with permission. Our founding immigration laws were actually based in America upon Judeo-Christian principles. But that's been canceled. When a stranger is mentioned in the Bible, it always refers to a legal alien, not an illegal alien, as in Leviticus chapter 19. Borders were important in the most ancient biblical times in biblical history. When Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he asked permission each time he crossed a border. You can go back and read this in Exodus. Every time he came to someone else's border, he asked for permission. When he was denied in one case permission to enter, he changed course and took a different route. That's how God recognizes borders. God created borders and national sovereignty. About 2,000 years before Christ, Egypt was an oasis of prosperity and opportunity, much like the United States is today. It was a magnet for migrants suffering from climate or economic difficulties. When famine struck the land of Canaan, for example, Abraham turned to Egypt for relief. Now, Egypt didn't ex- appreciate the surge of, of you know, migrants at their border, and That included some hostile marauders and some foreign barbarians that were coming into their country. In Genesis chapter 12, we see this story where Abraham lied to the authorities, claiming his wife was his sister. We know that story, I think. And the authorities expelled him from Egypt. Abraham complied with the authorities. He did not try to sneak back in. In Hebrew, the Bible uses two different words to define foreigner and alien. A foreigner was a person from another land, like a tourist or a businessman, who was only in the country temporarily, but with permission. An alien was a person from another land who planned to take up residence, again, with permission from the host country. When Abraham's great-grandson Joseph brought his family, remember, he got permission because he was there, not as an Egyptian, 
but as a foreign recognized guest. Well, I'm out of time, but we'll continue our conversation tomorrow. There's much to be said. Thank you for being with me today. See you tomorrow.